All the classic rock you can stomach. It's the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Ready to move up. Before we start, I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it! And now, your hosts, Jeremy Lunnan and J.R. Stanton. We've got to protect our phony baloney job, gentlemen. We must do something about this immediately. It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. All right, we're here. And we're live. I think we're about to send out search and rescue, J.R., because we haven't been here for so long. True. That's my fault. That's 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 on me. But uh, hey, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, live and dangerous edition of the Classic Guitar Podcast. Well, I can't be any more dangerous than I am when I'm live with you, Jeremy. It's better than the alternative. Yes. So um, thank you so much, JR, for joining me. And and just a little little, uh, housekeeping before we get going. And JR, I haven't even told you this. You know, I do the uh, daily update the classic mm-hmm. daily update. And uh, actually, you know, I've been fairly good about doing that every day. I, it's, it's usually around nine. I need to get on a set time, but I can't really do that. It's usually around 9 a.m., 9.30 a.m. Pacific time. So that'd be like 11.30 JR's time, central time zone. And so I do a little 15, 20-minute update. And actually, you know, it's doing pretty good. I get a lot of people that watch, which is great, which is awesome. Um, I've noticed just a lot of the same viewers. Uh, you know, yeah. when, we, when I'm watching it, it seems to be a, a fairly loyal yeah. crowd. In, in fact, uh, Bruce is one of our regulars, and Bruce has already chimed in. He's sitting here practicing the message in a bottle riff. That's a good riff to be practicing. It so is. For being here. Any Anyone can chime in if you're joining us live on Facebook or X or YouTube should be able to uh, comment and 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 we're going to post a question here and we want everyone uh, to play along so so the uh, chats should be pretty busy you got to help me stay on top of those JR but I'll do my best here's the logistics thing I was I was uh, talking about beginning on Maybe even tomorrow. It might even start tomorrow. I'm going to start posting the daily update as a as a podcast. Also, so okay. I don't want to, I don't want to confuse. People. And the way I'm the reason I want to do that is our biggest audience is to the podcast, mm-hmm. right? So if I post the update there, because I think a lot of the folks that listen on the podcast don't necessarily tune in to the daily updates. So I want to merge those audiences and, and I'll be completely honest. 
it's about world domination, Jr. I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to. Well, we we discussed that at one point, and I think that is you know at some point you need to roll that out in a more efficient strategy. And yeah. I have to agree. I think that there's things that you can you can get done on a daily update that you know have a lot more social impact. Destruction. It's, I mean, not destruction. Uh, yeah. Constructive. <laughs> There might be some <laughs> destructive uh, impact also, but the 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 only thing that'll make it kind of weird is, you know, we do the longer form podcast, you and I, where we're mm-hmm. talking about an album or something. Those are like an hour long. The daily updates only like twenty minutes. So so what you'll see if you're listening to the podcast is you'll see, you know, an episode. If it says daily update, obviously that's a daily update, and that's going to be a short, quick hit. Versus the longer ones that we want to, our goal. I, I'm gonna. I laugh when I say this, but Jr. Remember, our original plan was we were gonna do a weekly podcast, yes. and weekly. it's turned into a like a every two month podcast, a quarterly. It's a quarterly, <laughs> podcast. quarterly podcast. You know, uh, you know. There's, but we pack it with such you know intensity and so much danger. That, you know, so you, you, you know, and sometimes you can't take that kind of danger on a regular basis. So it's, I think we should venture there. I'm comfortable yeah. now. It's in the interest of, of our audience's health, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's for the best. It's for the best. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, and Bruce says, I enjoy the daily update. I'm not there live every day, but generally watch the Facebook replay. Which, You're the one. You're the one, Bruce. <laughs> it's you. Bruce. Yeah, it's great. Uh, thank you so much, Bruce. Uh, and, but but yeah, I think I think if I if we're posting the update, see, Jr. has a job. Right? It's it's and, an and interesting I, job I, too. I do too, but but because I was going to say Jr. could even hop in on the daily update, but he's working. He's like seeing patients and stuff when he does that. So, And I like what you have said because I think that what you really want is to reach the most audiences and, and get it on a platform that allows that ease of application or ease of access. You know, um, the podcast allows for that. I think people are a little bit more in tune with, with being able to, to jump on a podcast that's, that feels comfortable for them. And uh, the content that you put out daily, I think is superb. Oh, well, thank, uh, thank you. you. Know, when I'm, you know, I get an opportunity to to engage with that sometimes with you on, on uh, if it's if the opportunity uh, allows. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it's it's the right, you know, it's the right time frame because it's not you're not ex- expecting a lengthy conversation exactly. or, or a commitment that's longer than five minutes. Exactly, exactly. and that's the thing, right? <laughs> We don't have time for that long, lengthy stuff. Well, it's hard to it's hard to, uh, to establish uh, any kind of uh, you know you with any kind of link or or attention span beyond five minutes, uh, especially in today's society. So maybe Absolutely. it's if you you know you get into the meat and potatoes with the, the podcast, uh, dan- live and dangerous, but you kind of need the the other things to carry the conversation through. And I think that that's timely. Uh, this you know especially when we do the the this day in history part of, of the dailies. Yep. For sure. For sure. And, and Jr. you don't have to butter me up. You're still not going to get paid. Okay? Oh. You're, still, you're still not getting paid. It's all right through me. Didn't you there? <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to post a question. This was actually a question that, a viewer 
posted today during the update, and it was a really good question, and it and it made me really think about it. Russ Hathaway was the uh, listener that posted it, so we're gonna get to this question when we get back. Hey, this is Jeremy London, host of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. If you're a business owner trying to market your products or services to a growing audience, let me invite you to consider advertising here on our podcast. The Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is currently rated in the top 2.5% globally, according to listennotes.com. And our prime demographic is males aged 35 to 59. Here's one of the great things about advertising with us. An ad you run with us today will still be getting played five or ten years from now. Because our episodes never expire, neither will the ads you run with us. Think about that. As our audience continues to grow, you are locked in with an ad you place now at a very low rate. It really is a phenomenal investment. If you think our demo is a great fit for your offering, it really is a no-brainer. We can do anything from a simple host read ad to a fully produced commercial. Either way, you will be shocked at how economical it is to advertise on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. If you're interested, please email me, Jeremy, at ClassicGuitarRock@mail.com. But hurry, because availability is limited. We drove around all day and there's not a single job in this town. There's nothing, nada, zip. Yeah, unless you want to work 40 hours a week. Jeremy Lennon and J.R. Stanton on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Live and Dangerous Podcast. And uh, I'm here, of course, with my partner in crime, J.R. I'm Jeremy and we had a, a listener, a viewer, who chimed in on the daily update today and had a great question. I'm going to put the question up on the board. And JR, putting JR on the spot, I didn't give him warning, but here we go. Let me, let me, let me put it up here. And how is that different than any other podcast? Exactly. You're right. You're right. Okay. Here we go. Here comes the question. Here's where we want you to chime in in the chat because we're going to definitely want to talk about these. Some of these are probably going to be the same, I would guess. We'll see. We'll see if any of us uh, have the same answers for any of these. Okay, here's the question. Again, Russ Hathaway posted this today. What artists or albums came to prominence during your formative years that you never really got into until much later. Now, I'm going to give you some time to let that sink in because I want to parse these words a little bit. Okay. So, for instance, formative years. When we're talking about music, what do you th- is in my mind, I'm thinking, I think back to my own, that's probably 12 years old. That's kind of where I really started paying attention to music. 12 years old, 
through the teen years. Do you agree with that? I agree with that, but I will think that uh, formulative uh, could span all the way up to age 30 for for some of the immaturity level that we, <laughs> yeah. we had. I mean, uh, I look you. back and, and, and I probably, just because I was on a slower stream than maybe most, <laughs> uh, those formulative years stretched a decade or so. But, but uh, and, and I, and it was, you know, I consider this question. It's that's kind of where I think is what, what, what would I sign? But I what do think you're care? right. I think, you know, grade school, junior high, but I think I'd even extend a little bit into to high school because I, I guess I wasn't the connoisseur of, of rock and roll um, that I am, well, that I pr- profess to be now. <laughs> and, and I think you were maybe been like me in my formative years, like when I really mm-hmm. started paying attention to music, it wasn't necessarily good music <laughs> oh i hate to say i probably uh, was a victim of the of the media uh that was yeah, pushed sure. out by you know by what the mega million um platform labels that, that that did a fine job of marketing to to me and i i you know i ate the cheese so so, yeah. so here's our i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna read this question one more time and i'm gonna add one little part at the end okay, okay? the question is what artists or albums came to prominence during your formative years that you never really got into until much later? So, in other words, who were you late to the game on? Okay, who were you late to the game on? And and before, I, I'm trying to give Jr. time to think of things. You know, <laughs> I didn't even, okay, so here's another thing, and this might help you think. So. Um, and we're going to get to comments as, as we jump in here. So, cause we've already got some lined up, which is awesome. So JR, what's the first new album? And I'm, I'm saying new because I bought some at like yard sales and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. What's, can you remember the very first new album you bought with your own money? I think so. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was actually not an album. It was a cassette, okay. but it, it was uh, Robert Palmer. Really? Yes. So the one with... Uh, it was Bad Case of Loving You. That's the one. I can't remember yeah. what that album yeah. was called. And, that and was about 78, 79. Yeah, yeah I, I was so disappointed. In the rest of the album? Yes, yes. Yeah. It, um, I thought, you know... And it was great because Bad Case of Loving You, I mean, still, I mean, that was it. That was the song that caught me. That's yep. why I went out and bought that album. I bought, and I remember I bought uh, another cassette at the same time uh, for Robert Palmer. And I'm still listening to it. And it's such an eclectic approach that, that I was like, well, where's the bad, you know, Bad Case yeah, of Loving You? But if you listen to that album, uh, no, no, yeah. there's not. But, that, you know, it's funny. I just, that was, that really just popped into my mind when you asked yeah. me that question. So, so. I wish I was as cool as you because the first album I bought with my own money, mm-hmm. Cruising by the Village People. That's the first mm-hmm. one. I okay. Bought. That mm-hmm. might be something I don't need to share. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm did just, you classify that as rock and roll? No. No, <laughs> but it was classified. I was 11 years old and didn't know any better. Right. And my brother yeah. almost beat me up. Right? I was going to say, you didn't have to share that. Uh, the album came with a big fold-out poster of like the Indian and the leather mm-hmm. man and the greasy construction worker and all of that. And, and I got this festooned. Well, and of course, I hung it over my brother. We shared a bedroom. I hung it over his bed because if I hang it right over my bed, I can't see it. 
So yeah. I hung up over his bed, and he comes in and says, "What's that doing on my wall?" <laughs> crap out here. So, anyways, uh, so Bruce, Bruce's first album that he bought. Now, this is a good. This is a good choice. Oh yeah, Grand Illusion by Styx. That's a phenomenal album. It's a great well, he, album. I think he was ahead of the game. And check out this. First professional concert was the Osmonds in 1974. Okay, so that's all right. Okay, that's all right. I mean, I think the Osmonds would be are better than the Village People, personally. You know, there were some rock elements. Okay, I, I'll go with you on that. I mean, I, I obviously, I, I don't think I have any of the Osmond albums, but I have seen that group live. But it was in Branson. Oh uh, yeah, well, like, <laughs> does that count? Listen, if you ever want to go down a funny rabbit hole, is go on YouTube and look at the number of heavy metal guys that were influenced by Crazy Horses by the Osmonds, Paul Gilbert, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Portnoy. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys, and you need to see tracks of these metal bands playing Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. So they they actually had some. Some some cred with with the rockers. Now, oh look, Russ, Russ is the one who gave us the idea of this question. Thank you, Russ, for being here. Russ says, "Don't judge me." <laughs> There's no judgment here. No, no judgment here. Sarcasm. We, we, might, we might make fun of you, but we're not judging. Yeah, we're not judging. Uh, don't judge me. Discovered Georgia Satellite's debut album. Love the whole album, but only knew "Keep Your Hands to Yourself" when I was young. And you know what? I think that's eighty-five percent of the people. Would say Actually, that. I, I, I love that you know that he came up with Georgia Satellites because um, again that that's a little off to the left of say sticks or such, but but right. that the, I would think that that that's the the uh, the prompt for the question. I think that's yeah. probably the best answer is because I I like that same album that you yeah. talking Georgia Satellite. There, uh, you could play it and. Uh, and sing along with it, and, yep. and you know it was. I don't think they were you know, breaking new ground. I think, but 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 sometimes it was the uh, just a favorite sound to hear. I uh, I worked at a radio station, and and Jr. I had a couple friends. Jr. was one of them that I would sometimes be working like midnight to six in the morning, and mm-hmm. I would Jr. and say, Jr. Man, I need some Taco Bell really bad, and Jr. would deliver like at twelve thirty. 1 a.m. He'd bring me some tacos from Taco Bell. I had a couple friends. I had to make a run to the border. Yeah, exactly. and, and you know, I, you know what's funny is that was the go-to. I mean, you think yeah. about it. Uh, that Taco Bell. Taco Bell was open late. And oh drive, yeah, drive-through. So you, you yeah. know, if you and, needed and, if you needed to run to the border, by God, it was there. And 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 the and shortly after making a run to the border, you'd have to make a run well, to the little room too. But I only bring that up because. Uh, Georgia Satellites was a current. That was one when I was working radio. That was a song that came out when I was a disc jockey at KRLG ninety eight FM, right out in the, mm-hmm. the, the edge of town. Um, so yeah, I have great memories of that song. But Russ, to your point, I don't know a whole lot of anything else from Georgia Satellites. So it sounds like you've at least dug into them a little bit more. Which is which is awesome. Um, okay, so and Bruce, of course, Bruce is from Georgia. Bruce lives in Atlanta, so 
he's familiar with Georgia satellite. So that that is awesome. Okay, now Jr. Let's you and I start sharing. We'll we'll go back and forth. Sure. Well, I, I if you don't mind, I'll I'll take I'll, I'll give a stab at it. Um, no, I. I guess the way I look at that is uh, probably going to be the most uh, standard answer that you could put forward. And uh, it's a band with uh, basically three letters. Yes. Um, Uh, Yeah. Okay. So obviously my interpretation of what yes, uh, as a, you know, as being a uh, uh, prolific rock and roll band or such, if you could call it that was 1983, you know, um, the album helped me out. Nine oh one two five. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. I like that. I thought that was. I thought I knew everything. You know, I love yes. You know, and then I, much like Robert Palmer, only again I got on with Robert Palmer a little bit because I I did sit down and listen to more songs and understood that there was there's more than just you know one one tune out there. With yes, it's the same thing. Now you go backwards and and they have a certainly have a. a, a large portfolio of music that I just wasn't in touch with. And, um, and again, I poo-pooed it while I was listening to that album uh, back in 83. And so, well, I just don't see why anyone will listen to this, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, but you're not as musically inclined to understanding what, what, a, you know, what the musician is doing. It's you, it's just, you, I, my thoughts were probably no, no further than the top 40, you know, hits of the time frame, And so, uh, it wasn't until later that I, you know, and that's, I guess that's what we're asking. It wasn't until later that I understood that, you know, and began to understand that yes is a lot more than that one album. Absolutely. And, um, and, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, to, to the same point that you're making that I can, I'll listen to the essential yes album on, on, you know, a platform like Apple music or, or Spotify. And, uh, um, it's funny. I, Probably couldn't name the songs from the from you know the different years and albums, but I can tell you that I can listen pretty much to all of them and say that, that they do a good job of putting uh, compilations together. And and obviously, I, maybe I'm a, a, a little bit more mature of a listener now. Maybe I could take that. So uh, yeah, I, that's yes was for me. And as soon as you said yes, I'm like, that's a perfect example for me too mm-hmm. because. I think a lot of folks, Gen Xers, right? A lot of people from our generation that maybe didn't hear Fragile and Tales from Topographic Oceans and all of their earlier stuff, it was Owner of a Lonely Heart. You know, that song was everywhere. That album was everywhere. Remember Leave It? There was Owners of a Lonely Heart, Leave. That was a huge album. Changes. Changes. It's a great album. And then you even bought that album that was like yeah, you're going to you were like solos it was like live performances from the 90 Yes it was but that yeah. was popular at that time Jeremy right. they would they found ways to sell you an, the same album five ways <laughs> exactly. and this one had like oh this one had a different track same it's song version. Yeah. yeah yeah so uh, uh yeah I, no, I I get into that And then and then that one specifically, Jr. like me, we'd go to the recycled record store there mm-hmm. on Sheridan Road next to Mario's Pizza, right? Great pizza. A great, yummy pizza. And so I start, I, we went backwards, right? Then we start mm-hmm. buying Fragile. We start buying the Yes album. Mm-hmm. We start buying Close to the Edge. And so 
it completely the gateway though was was nine zero one two five, and that's a a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of yes purists mm-hmm. did not appreciate that album. They wanted the old stuff. But yeah, for me, totally nine zero one two five got me into yes. That's a perfect example, and probably had more com- commercial success. Uh, I would, in looking yeah, at it, yeah, maybe yeah. so. Yeah, totally. Had that album, well, that's their best selling album, right? Yeah. Had that album not happened, yes, would have been done. But that, again, that it, album resurrected them for another twenty years. Yeah, but it took me years to be able to sit down and listen to some of the older stuff. I mean, oh, yeah, it's so. Even now, it's kind of man. I don't. I mean, I like it, but well, at, 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 I can tell you, at fifty-seven, I appreciate it a lot more, and that's why yeah. I say that uh, I'm exactly. glad. I'm glad that there's a compilation process on these media platforms <laughs> that stream music because I've. I, it's just like, oh, that's. I yeah. didn't know I like that. There's so, an, yeah. the the talk album, which I think came out in the mm-hmm. late nineties or maybe mm-hmm. even early two. That's a ninety-four. Ninety-four, is that when it came mm-hmm. out? Yep. It's older than I thought. I love that album. Mm-hmm. I love that album. Okay, here's mine. I mentioned this earlier today when Russ brought up the question. Uh, but I'm gonna bring it up again because this is probably different people listening. Um Dio era Black Sabbath. I never listened to Dio. Now you know I was a huge Aussie fan. Yes, I was all over Aussie, but I just completely ignored the Dio era Sabbath, which doesn't make any sense because I was a huge Dio fan mm-hmm. when when uh, Last in Line or not or Holy Diver came out last night. I was I was there, but mm-hmm. I just completely ignored Dio's Sabbath stuff until like two thousand when I when I bought i think on clearance rack somewhere i bought mob rules and heaven and hells on on uh, cd and i'm like this stuff is awesome how did i yeah. miss this in 1981 and 82 it was ridiculous yeah. so black sabbath is with with dio is one of those for me. well i remember when you brought that to me but you know here's how naive i was you know i didn't know uh, when holy diver came out i didn't know dio had been with black sabbath I knew he had been in Sabbath, but I never listened to him when he was in. Well, I, I, well, like I said, I, I know you're, you, you know, of course you're in radio and you're, you have a, you know, when we were in high school, you were already DJing. So I, well, yeah, I was, yeah, I was working that. Yeah. yeah. I was a young DJ. Yeah. yeah. I was, a, it's like, a, what is that? I was a I was young a teenage American werewolf. werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> I was a young American DJ. Yeah. Uh, Bruce. <laughs> says Getty Lee was the perfect person to sit in for Chris Squire. And that's a great video. I just watched it like two nights ago of Getty. He knew that song. He had, uh, he had that, uh, roundabout song nailed. So that was awesome. So yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was Dio era Sabbath. I just completely overlooked it. And then when I started listening in 2000, I played the heck out of that. Cause I lo- they're both heaven and hell and mob rules are both excellent albums all mm-hmm. the way through. They're great albums. I still, if I had to choose between those two albums and the first two Aussie albums, I get myself in trouble when I say this. I'd probably have to go with Aussie, but let me let me put it this way. I, my personal opinion, Blizzard of Oz and Diary are better than any Black Sabbath album. But Heaven and Hell 
and Mob Rules, I think, are better than any Ozzy album after Blizzard of Oz. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. People will probably want to fight me on that, but I, that's just the way I feel. So, well, well you feel the way you feel, Jeremy, and there's no hiding that. Hey, I, I am as God made me. Okay. I exactly. Mean, I am. Okay. So, and, go ahead. Go ahead. And I, and, and I was going to say, we are live and dangerous. So, you know, <laughs> whatever happens, happens. Dangerous. Dangerous, the key word here. Uh, I got another comment I want to put up here because I, I meant to do this earlier. Bruce K. Rush is on a lot of people's list. Fortunately, not me. That was immediate when I first heard Xanadu as my first Rush song. Xanadu might be my favorite Rush song. So my gateway Rush album was 2112, but I didn't hear it till like 1981. So it was already been out like five years. But to, to your point, Bruce, what, that was my gateway. After that, then I remember this moving pictures came out right after I had bought 2112 and all the world's a stage. And then I just went backwards from there. I went back, I got fly by night, I got them all. And so by the time signals came out, I already think I had most of the, the albums before that. But yeah, I think, I think that's probably a rush. Yeah. And I, and I jumped on with moving pictures. So that yeah. probably tell you again, again, late to the game, but, but enjoyed it. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay, uh, what's your next band on your list? Um, you know, again, staying on topic, but not staying on topic. You're going to have to give me a little bit of a longer leash on this. Um, right. Who I didn't listen to back in the day, formulative years, but still I listened, that, that I look back and now had impact on me, um, uh, this guy. Oh. Okay, so we don't think about Michael Bolton as a rock and roll entity, right. and I didn't either. I'll tell you, uh, if you asked me if I like Michael Bolton back then, I was blasé. It depended on whether whether we were out on a date or whether we were out at the bar. Mm -hmm. uh, but I never admitted Michael Bolton. But then, you know, uh, I remember hearing a few songs, and I was singing one, Everybody's Crazy. And there's an album, but I couldn't remember who sang it. And usually that's different for me because normally I, I can tell you, but, um, his album, everybody's crazy. And then just Michael Bolton, the, the original album, yeah. those, those were rock albums. Which now, one has, which one has fool's game? Is that on the first one? That is on the first one. That is that's on this one. Here. Awesome. That album is awesome. Yeah, it is. But you know, what's interesting is I don't know that I could admit to, to liking <laughs> Michael Bolton on Live and Dangerous because uh, right. we're talking about classic guitar rock. But but if you look at the way they put those two albums together, that's not Michael Bolton in the way that we think about him in a conventional way. Right. But but I would argue that there's some some uh, at least some hairband you know, totally. type, type of approach. And, and it I think uh, several of those songs have legs to stand on and, to, and to me the first album his voice you know his mm -hmm. delivery and remember they played the heck out of fool's game on mtv in the yeah, early you see here's the thing i remember fool's game i just didn't remember it was him yeah that, what is what is that you know i don't yeah, you yeah. know by design i, I have a you know, selective me, memory. it's like a, it's like a, almost a white snake or thin lizzie vibe i loved it that first well, Michael Bolton now. But but like you, I have not the first time I listened to that album was probably five years ago. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like listen to the album. Yeah. No, I remember the song. It's kind of like, I, you know, I think, you know, I will tell you that I gave Joe Lynn Turner the credit for that song. I was like, I went looking for Joe Lynn Turner's album with Fool's Game. Fool's Game. Yeah. But it's not. Just so, just so you know, if you go looking, it's not. And it's not because, and, and of course, that's kind of a slam on, maybe a slam on Jolyn Turner because he's a <laughs> hell of a, I mean, <laughs> he's got a, a lot of talent, but for some reason I equated the, the, the two. But if you go back to, uh, what was that? Rescue, rescue you, you know, uh, I think, I think they came out around the same time. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. I think that, yeah, uh, uh, Jolyn Turner was probably 84, 85, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. And then it, it did a big blip, and then I, I lost track of Jolyn Turner. You know, and I think that he, probably because he's the guru of solo albums, maybe, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, obviously, I didn't know about uh, the, the relationship. Uh, honestly, I'll be with Rainbow and all of the other aspects. Jeremy, until you told me, you know. Well, it and, and it, it went right into this because one of the groups I have on my list is Rainbow. Right. Because and I I wasn't wait I wasn't super late, mm-hmm. but I was very much a uh, superficial fan. Right. I'd see I'd see Rainbow. Remember the early days of MTV? Mm-hmm. Like, What's new? Some of the videos had Joe Lynn Turner. And then some of them had this short haired guy that looked like James Dean. They had Graham Bonnet singing all night long or since you've been gone. And and so so on the surface. I knew what MTV played of Rainbow. I never bought a Rainbow album until probably the late '90s, mm-hmm. uh, and then I, I Rainbow's one of my favorite bands now. All eras, right? With Dio, mm-hmm. with Graham, with Joe Lynn Turner, I love them all. But I never really got into it when they were contemporary. Well, right? I want to ask you a bit of a trivia thing. Since you've been gone, Alcatraz or Rainbow? So, well, it was Rainbow. But of course, Graham Bonnet was in both, right? Mm-hmm. So then he goes to Alcatraz. There's the Alcatraz live sentence. They do the rainbow tunes. So, uh, uh you could kind of say, you could kind of say both. Right? Yeah. I just wondered because I remember when I went to go look that up, I, I, I was like, I think you might remember this too, Jeremy. I wanted to learn to play some of that song and you I said, remember <laughs> we were messing around just trying to work out the chords for since you've been gone yes. <laughs> yep awesome yeah that's great okay who do you have next on your list well um this is going to be a reach but in, you got to understand how i think um i liked a group called crocus at one point headhunter okay okay Lost track of them over the period of time, and 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 but they had a song, um, that Ballroom Blitz that they had remade. Yeah, they a a, a remake of a. Okay, here's yeah. the thing. I young, yeah, uh, listened to the loud music. I thought Ballroom Blitz was their song. I didn't know it was a remake. Mm-hmm. So when I found out who really, you know, wrote that, put it to music, mm-hmm. and they released it, it was a a group called Sweet. Yeah. Well, I didn't didn't know anything about them at that time. Uh, uh, You know what? Sweet had some really cool songs and they were cheesy, right? They Mm -hmm. they were like, like, uh, wheelie, 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 go home, you know, all of that. And it's actually 
there's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, it was just crazy to me that that you um, and my they have a, a greatest hits album, uh, Quinn the Eskimo, all you know, or not Quinn, that's Munford Man, but yeah. the they have a greatest hits album, and I'm uh, what is it, Fox on the Run? Is that Fox the on the Run? Uh, Love is like oxygen. oxygen. I mean, there's and, all kinds. But of stuff. I'm thinking yeah. I know this group. But yeah. I've never listened to them, and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, not at all. And right. so, uh, but I remember that that of course uh, the only real uh, song that Ballroom Blitz that I liked was Crocus, yeah. and and then you know looking at the compilations, I don't know that, that that they had the same success that Sweet had. If you look at it, even though I I can name like four or five really good Crocus songs off the top of my head, I probably can name more Sweet songs that I listen to and still listen to. So look at this. Russ, I was not aware of this. Sweet. The song I was surprised was a cover was New York Groove. Do you mean like the Ace Fraley New York Groove? That was a sweet song? Is that what you're that was is that what you're saying? I think that's what he's saying. Wasn't and, that and cool? It is. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Uh Sweet had some great songs though. Great poppy, and they were very campy right they their whole look i mean early 70 72 73 uh they, they were funny and check out this comment here bruce says dio with randy rhodes would have been huge yeah and we all know the story dio or, or randy was he had already told ozzy that he wasn't uh going to be with ozzy much longer he was going to leave after the diary tour supposedly um that would have been interesting. It's one of those, what if, you know, what if, what if that would have happened? That would have been interesting. Uh, oh, Russ says it wasn't sweet. It was not sweet, uh, but a different band. I'll find. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you for checking that out. Uh, this is Mean Machine. This is my friend Greg at the Mean Machine. Crocus Midnight Maniac is a classic. Yes. Uh, that's the same album with uh, Screaming in the Night. Right, screaming in the night, and it had the song with uh, Rob Halford on it, "Ready to Burn." Mm -hmm. Ready to burn. That's an awesome album. Eat, eat the rich. Eat Crocus. the rich. Yeah, yes, that, my mom. True. My mom asked me, "What are they saying?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to know, mom. Let's just change this channel. Yeah, yeah, totally. that is awesome. Okay, so here's mine. Next one on mine. A little band that. Again, on the on on the surface, I dug some of their songs I'd see on MTV. I'd see them in the movie. We'd go we'd go to the midnight movie and watch heavy metal. You'd hear a song from them and you're like, that's pretty cool, right? But over the last ten years or so I've dug into them a little more. That's Blue Oyster Cult, right? So Burning for You, you'd see the video for Burning for You. Uh, you'd hear Veteran of the Psychic Wars in the heavy metal soundtrack. I'm like, that's a that's pretty cool. And so I've kind of, I'm, I'm still not at the level that I would say I'm a huge fan, but I got like six albums, right? Mm -hmm. up there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Fire of Unknown Origin, Don't Fear the Reaper, you know, Agents of Fortune, you know, all, the, all that stuff. They got some good stuff. And they're a weird band. And when I say weird, I mean they write about things that are not, it's not your typical, uh, typical fare for many rock bands. And that's kind of what's cool about Blue Oyster Cult. So they were one I was, I was, it's only been about the last 10 years that I've really dug a little deeper into it. Um, 
Bruce says, I admit it, I like the B-52s and Devo. Nothing wrong with that. I love Devo. One of my formative memories was seeing Devo on Saturday Night Live performing Are We Not Men? We Are Devo, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. But, but it was like a traffic accident. I couldn't not watch, right? I was like, what is this? I got to watch it. I got to watch it again. And so I've always had a soft spot for for Bieber. I I always think that that when Nickelback sings "What's on Joey's Head," it's those hats from Devo. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> mean Machine says they need more cowbell. The cowbell <laughs> classic. I mean, that's launched an entire generation of folks that their their only exposure to Blue Oyster Cult came by way of a Saturday Night Live skit, which is still one of the best ever. Of the, the cowbell. Mm -hmm. uh, that's rock that's and roll cowbell. cowbell. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Yeah, not to be confused with, you know, other, you know, orchestral type. Is that a word? Orchestral? Or, 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 orchestral? Orchestral? Yeah. Orchestral? It is, it is in, yeah, it's a word. It is today. Russ says, New York Groove by Hello, an English band. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, by the way, anyone else can chime in. Uh, we welcome your comments in the in the chat, so feel free to jump in. Um, what did I just say? Oh, Blue Oyster Cult. What about you? What's the next one on your list? Uh, you know, this one is kind of a stretch, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. Golden Earring uh, came to mind um, only because I knew them from one type of song, Twilight Zone. I couldn't. And, it was, and yeah, it was then. You went back ten years. Uh huh. Yeah, they had they had two big hits exactly ten years apart, and I did the exact same thing. So again, MTV, Twilight Zone. Help! I'm slipping into the Twilight Zone. I mean, that was played all the time, and it was catchy. And then you find out ten years earlier, in 1973, they did "Radar Love," also an awesome song. Uh, yeah. And and I will tell you that they have some compilations that that date all the way into into what five ten years ago. That uh, when you when you get on a, a, a music platform, the beauty of the of, uh, the Spotify uh, world is that you can pick up. Uh, you know, you don't have to buy the, go out and buy the album. And think about that. You know, that probably opens up a lot more of the vaults, Jeremy. Don't you think? I mean, here's <laughs> the thing: we're talking about songs that we actually had to go listen to at the recycled records or sound discount center. And you right. really had to take the thing out of the sleeve, run over and put somebody else's earwax up to your head. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and so and, I mean, we were living dangerous then yeah, too. Yeah, so, yeah. so think about what we had to do to be able to understand a catalog of music from, the, from yeah. an artist back in, in say 1980s versus, you know, what we have to do now. So yeah. I think it's actually easier to have an appreciation now and to find those rare jewels uh, like Golden Earring where you go, okay, wow, they sang some really good other songs. So, but what I like is you see the downloads and you, you can kind of get a clue of what songs are, you know, are getting a lot of play. And so Golden Earring does have uh, a lot of different songs from across. And they've been around. They have staying power. I don't know. Again, I don't, I'm not familiar with, with the, the actual lineup in the band. But but the fact is I found something to like uh, from their compilations that stretch you know, decades. So, so you, because all I could tell you about Golden Earring is those two songs, but it sounds like you've listened a little deeper into their catalog and it's good. 
Yeah, it is. It's good. It's one of those things where you go, man, that, you know, I, it's, I don't know why that wouldn't have hit. Maybe it was the wrong, you know, a lot of times hits have to do with, with timing. Right. Um, and, you know, I'll admit at the time, um, you know, sometimes you're trying to be, uh, impressed the girl or, or such. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've known about this band forever. Yeah, well, you know, and, you uh, always want to be the first one to Exactly. Find something totally new. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and so I remember I did that and, and I, you know, pretended to like certain songs I hadn't really heard all the way. And then, then later on, like now I go back and go, yeah, you know what? I didn't give them myself. I didn't give myself enough credit. Right. Uh, for liking Golden Earring back in the day. Look at Russ's comment here. This is a, a great band. Another late discovered band for me, Slade. And, and so Russ, this might be your story. This is my story about mm-hmm. Slade is, What's our first exposure to Slade? Most of us, it's Quiet Riot doing Come On, Feel the Noise. Mm-hmm. They did Mama, We're All Crazy Now, which was a Slade tune. Uh, well, remember that Quiet Riot cover uh, uh, led to Slade releasing another album in like 84 with the Run, Run Away song. Run, run, see chameleon lying there in the sun. But if you go back, kind of like Sweet, you go back. And there are lots of other groups have covered Slade tunes. And you never mm-hmm. really, I think they were definitely bigger in, in Europe than they were here. But you, you don't realize how popular they were. They had a lot of great songs. So so we, it's interesting what we can appreciate uh, given time. And, um, you know, I, I thought about some of the things before we went live on this and I was thinking, man, do we, do we think about fast forward or do we, or, or, or rewind when we come up to some topics? Because you, you just mentioned this question to me and I was thinking, okay, are we going to think about what we didn't listen to now and how these people have evolved? So I kind of came at it several different ways. And Jeremy, the thought of that is again, um, uh, I, the, the availability of catalog, catalogs of music are a lot more readily and easily accessible. So, so it's easier to kind of jump onto something and then go, I'm going to follow, like pulling the, that loose string on the, on grandma's sweater that you, she knitted for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you pull that, that little string and the next thing you know, you're standing there sleeveless. Well, yeah, totally. uh, I, yeah I, so I went down the rabbit hole on some of the, the, the different songs. And this is a killer and, song. And, and to that, to that end, JR. Um, I'll sound like the old guy yelling at the kids to stay out of my yard. Um, there were times, right? E- even you did this. I know you did it. We both did it. You'd sit at the radio hovering over the record button, hoping they were going to play this new song. Oh, you can still rock in America by night Ranger. I'm going to listen tonight when they play it. I'm going to record it. Right. You heard, you heard it first. You heard. Yeah. And so you'd have this mixtape where all the songs are missing the first 20 seconds or there's a DJ talking over the beginning. But that's how you did it, because there was no guarantee that when you went to the record store, they'd have that record. It's True. not these kids today with their instant gratification. You know, now you can literally go online and hear any song you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huey Lewis uh, did that to me. I uh, There was a song by Huey Lewis that, that was well, his first song. I kept waiting for it. Who sings this? Whatever. I'm waiting for him to tell me and I'm waiting to push that record button. You know, I was like five seconds late. 
Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, I remember that was that was one I kind of wish I'd have caught the whole song. You know, I ended up the recording as I played it through. I, you know, I, I was new. To, uh, this is the guy I'm listening to. Yeah. Well, the song's only been out two weeks. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, Greg, Mean Machine Radio says, pardon me, fellas. Time to pray to David Lee Roth. And then <laughs> focus, focus, my focus. Uh, I'll get off my lawn. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so Bruce, I think this is the name of Golden Earrings drummer. Is that right? Caesar Ziderwick? Ziderwich? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I think that's what, what uh, Bruce is talking about there. Um, okay, so I've got another band. And I'm not sure. Again, this is one I mentioned on the Daily Update today. I, I don't know if it <laughs> fits the definition because they were prominent before I was coming of age, right? They've been around a long time. And that is uh, Pink Floyd, right? So my first my first exposure hearing about Pink Floyd, hearing anything from Pink Floyd, I was in seventh grade and I heard Another Brick in the Wall, right? And uh, so... I was aware of what I heard on the radio later in high school, right? The movie, the wall came out. And so I think we were at a party once where we watched that out at Bert's house mm -hmm. in cash or India Homa. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? I think you were out there. A bunch yeah. of us were out there watching it and the movie was terrible, right? The movie, <laughs> the wall is pretty crappy, but you know, that was my first exposure to comfortably numb, even though, you know, I just didn't have the wall album or whatever. Mm -hmm. But my, my point is it's taken, it's really been only about the last 15 years that, that I've can say I'm a Pink Floyd fan. I just could never get into them. I thought they were a little depressing. Uh, I always thought David Gilmore was an awesome guitar player, but I just couldn't get into them. But I've finally over the last few years, as I actually go back and listen to your point, Jr. Because now we have the ability at any given time, oh, I'm going to listen to Obscured by Clouds. Here's the whole album. I've been listening to Animals the last few mm -hmm. days, and I've gained a bigger appreciation of that. But but as a teenager, I had no interest in Pink Floyd at all. Just just couldn't couldn't do it. So well, that is interesting because the, the thoughts that uh, – you know, there's probably – some songs, Pink Floyd, that you heard so often, you kind of had to put it into your, you know, repertoire of, yeah. of knowledge. But yeah. I could see where you could miss that song. Yeah. Well, yes. And, and of course, the big pedestrian Pink Floyd, you know, I knew Money. I knew the wall. wall. I knew Comfortably Numb. That might be. But, but Pink Floyd is kind of like Led Zeppelin. They would name their songs. And you would have no idea that was the name of that song. Oh, yeah, I've heard that song a jillion times. Mm -hmm. You know, someone would say, uh, do you like the Pink Floyd song Eclipse? Like, I don't know that I know that. So then when you hear it go, oh, yeah, I've heard that. Do you like Have a Cigar? Oh, I don't even know if I know. Then you hear it and you go, oh, yeah, I've heard it a million times. But, yeah, it's some of that. Russ, this is the plight of all of us, I think, when we were kids. He says, there was no guarantee when I went to the record store that I had money in my wallet. <laughs> that's, that's, true. that's a true statement. Absolutely. I remember having to pull my money. I'd look around to see what my brother was looking at and try to sell him on the album that I was wanting. 
look, right. you, this is a great album. You're going to want to listen to this. You should buy this. Yeah. You should buy it. And then he, he would buy it and it spent most of its life on my record player. But, there uh, you, go. you know, that's why you Smart. have uh, brothers so you that's, can sham them into purchasing albums that you normally couldn't afford. He that's would, le- leveraging your resources, JR. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's I'm sure you've indulged the power, in that. The power of other people's money. That's exactly what you were doing. That was, that was I was great. early. I was early on the scene with in- investing for return on investment. Yeah. So MW, thank you for chiming in. MW, Jethro Toll, Saga, Sanctuary. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Saga. Saga. No one can stop us now. See, but that's one of those that I know the one song they played on MTV. They played mm-hmm. On the Loose. They played The Flyer. Every time I hear them, I really like them, but I haven't taken the time to dig deep. On the Loose. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a great song. I saw Saga open for Billy Squire. I know Greg, Mean Machine, he's a Billy Squire fan. I love Billy Squire. But I saw Saga opening for Billy Squire on the, what tour was that? Emotions in Motion tour. Oh, that was it. That's been a while. Own career. Yeah. Uh, We could do a whole episode on how, how Billy Squire messed up his career. Eric chimes in, speaking of Stevie Ray or of Huey Lewis, Stevie Ray opened for Huey Lewis in the news back in the day. Yep. That's yep. that's almost absurd. It seems crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> uh Stevie Ray opened for the Who in the Cotton Bowl. And I saw that. I saw that show. That was crazy. Well, I saw uh, Huey Lewis at the California State Fair in two thousand three. Nice. And and I don't know that they does he still tour? He's he's getting up there. He is, but he was good. He sounded just as good. I you know, and it was a live venue. I mean, open venue. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I didn't go, but in 2013, he was in Seattle and he played there. And I had some friends that that went to that. So, well, you know, I liked him a lot. In in um, but not. I mean, I I, I had maybe two albums, but you know, I you know, I want to, I need a new drug. You know, yeah. That sort of thing. That, well, all you uh, need is sports. I yeah. mean, that, that that album had like eight hits on it. Yeah. yeah. He was good. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but could you imagine that audience? I'm here to see Huey Lewis. Oh. Stevie Ray's out there. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can imagine what Huey must have thought before. Okay, we're going to have to go well, on. Huey was a big fan of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay. And I've heard stories about this that, to your point, is a lot of the Huey the Huey fan base were like, dude, who's this blues guy? I don't know about this. But what's funny, and this always happens, you know that a ton of those people that were like talking about how much they didn't like Stevie Ray Vaughan, when Stevie Ray Vaughan got really big, they were probably talking about, yeah, I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan and he was awesome. You know, you know it, that was happening. Yeah, I would be one of those dudes, but I actually always liked Stevie Ray Vaughan, so it wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't be I, that. But, but, uh, but, I didn't like him as much as you did. Well, I wasn't exposed to him as much as as what you had because the the Double Trouble the album I knew yeah. exactly what to get you if it was you know that sort of yeah. thing. And I I just remember that you took it to a little bit another took it to another level, I, which I, I thought I, was I good. Through, I went through a big Stevie Ray Vaughan phase, and I really I really liked him. And and he was one of the guys, you know, when someone when a when a musician or celebrity dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know them, right? We don't know them, but there are some that hit you harder than others, right? 
I was a huge Randy Rhodes fan, but but mostly after he had already died. So I don't remember feeling really sad when he died. I remember mm-hmm. years the years following as I'm really getting into Randy Rhodes. I'm like, man, I wish he wouldn't have died. But you know who hit me hard? Stevie Ray Vaughan when he died. That was one I was like, oh man, and John Denver. Okay. Just so much of my growing up listening to John Denver. So those two artists, probably more than anyone. Yeah, I you know I think about that because I was just watching um, you know the Stevie Ray Vaughan growth at that point, and you were already you know you knew tons about him. You knew uh, you know you could play several of the songs and well and, i tried yeah, <laughs> you did a good job you always diminish your talent uh <laughs> you know but think about your you know on the your your youtube experience uh what your 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 uh more famous probably in some ways for playing the guitar so um no i i, I think that that if if anyone was on the the cb ray vaughn um bandwagon early it was you and i was on pretty early yeah so yeah and i'm I'm sure you were glad when he was making the recovery you know oh for sure and he was playing great and that's that's the really the really sad irony is he had he had cleaned himself up he was happy he was in such a good space he had just put out the in step album and then he dies so Yeah. yeah that was uh that was sad. That was yeah, a bleak day, and I remember again that that uh, that you know I knew you then. So yeah, I remember that. I remember the impact. Well, here's uh, this is a very good point that Bruce brings up because I think we all fall into this. I think everyone. I don't know. I don't know everyone personally, but I know I know Bruce a little bit. I know Greg. I'm guessing we're all around the same age, and so I bet this point Bruce makes is is we all relate to this. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of 60s bands that I had to learn later in life naturally because I was born in the you were born in the 60s the late 60s. So yeah, going back to these classic bands, well even Led Zeppelin. I mean mm-hmm. really their 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 rise to fame was when we were all just little kids didn't even know who they were, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I think most of us have to go backwards in time, even the Beatles obviously. Um to to do that. So Eric says John Denver, the Colorado state human. Yes, he is, right? He was this Colorado's son, right? He was a, I just loved I just loved John Denver. He was mm-hmm. he was awesome. John Mayall in the Blues Blues Breakers again, 60s band that we go back uh, we dig back to the roots to to dig out these older bands. And that's fun, right? I mean, that's awesome. So do you have anyone else on your list? I have one more band on my list. I don't know. Um, nothing of consequence. I had brought some stuff that, that you know up that I thought, well, when we got on topic, I can you know again I can chase the rabbit any direction, and I was chasing forward in some cases, like bands that were still turning out music that I could listen to now and go, oh, really? That's Candlebox. Well, give us an exa- Give us an example of one. Well, Candlebox. They came out oh, you know, okay. with, a, with an album in in 2021. In, I had uh, no idea. Yeah, my weakness, uh, all all downhill from here. It's kind of a fun song because he talks about being on top of the you know top of the game musically, and then you know it's all downhill from now. Yeah, but totally. but it's a good song, and and I would I would venture a guess that both of those songs for Candlebox probably would have done you know or should have 
should do well. They're easy to listen to, and they certainly uh, make you think, well, this, these guys have talent because here we are. I'm listening to them in 2021, 2022, yeah. and, and that goes a long ways from 1994. But sure. um, that um, that's probably – the the only notable one there's some there's a lot of things i could mention but that's probably the only so, notable thing let me throw one out and and you'll be surprised when i throw this one out because we've done an ep we've done an episode about this band mm -hmm. and they're a huge band but really based on the question again i'm going to show our question against anyone coming in later so they see what the original question was oh it's up it's already up sorry what artists or albums came to prominence during your formative years that you never really got into until much later. And of course, Russ uh, is the one that, that really gave me this idea. He gave me a question very similar. Inspiration. He was the inspiration for this. Thank you, Russ. So don't laugh when I say this, but, but based on that question, I'm going to say kiss. And here's why I'm going to say kiss. I never bought a Kiss album until I was an adult, you know, till I was in my twenties. I never, and then the first one I bought was a Kiss Greatest Hits. That's not true. I had Lick It Up. I bought Lick It Up when I was a junior in high school. Okay, yeah. I here's the thing. Do you listen to some of those songs and think back, man? I thought this was heavy. Yeah. I place I play some songs off of the Kiss albums that. I didn't get a chance to play a lot when I was younger, but I, I played them thinking, oh, no, I mean, this is the devil's music. This is loud. This is a lot of bass. And you listen yeah. to it, and now it sounds like something, you know, I guess the way I would have looked at the 60s version of the Rolling Stones. It's like, you know, or, you know, some of the bubblegum music of that. It's like, oh, this, this isn't heavy at all. Of course, then right. you've been exposed to heavy metal, and you've been exposed to the, to the progressions. Uh, of of you know talent plus the sound magic of the soundboard, uh, what they can do now with with uh, digital music, and you go oh well that's not as as you know heavy of rock as I it, it, at least with Kiss it, it, no, you it, know I remember thinking this is going to be really heavy I shouldn't listen to this and yeah. then now it's like you oh. go back and listen to that first of all the first Kiss album mm -hmm. is really good there's a lot of great a lot of their big songs are on that very first album. Uh, but I completely agree. Uh, and even 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 you go back and listen to Iron Maiden, which at the time mm -hmm. I thought that was so heavy. And my, I didn't want my mom to find my record covers or I, I didn't want her to hear me listening to this music that was so heavy. Yeah, and we almost had judgment. Yeah, exactly. But now you go back and listen to Two Minutes to Midnight or something and it's like, I mean, it's great. It's great. But compared to what... I mean, I never got into the super heavy stuff after mm -hmm. that. Tiny Maiden was, I mean, I mean, that was, that was perfect. But your point's exactly right. You go back and listen and what we thought was way heavy back then really doesn't sound that heavy. So, yeah. and, and then it's interesting too, because uh, then you start saying, oh, that sounds a little bit like this. And then the thread starts coming. Oh, you know, like I said, where you, where you go backwards and see where the, that person's influences are. Uh, I wasn't worried about who influenced who in 1983 yeah, exactly. I, it just, so no i he was it was an original sound i mean this is new and you're right. like nah probably not as original as you think in fact the bar chords they used were you know probably re reproduced in, in another song it's just the, uh, and what was it you told me every good rock and roll song 
uh, it's basically one chord or two chords. Well, there's there there rock songs are not. There's some exceptions, but for the most part, you know, you could take that basic one four five blues pattern mm-hmm. that became a, a rock pattern, and I mean that's the blueprint for so many songs. It's still three chords. ZZ Top, you know, mm-hmm. ZZ Top is uh, you know they're still using that same. And it's amazing what you can do with three chords and sounds so much different from ZZ Top, you know, or, and so, and and then also, um, you think about bands like Metallica, uh, heavy stuff that we thought, oh, this is just way too loud. Now I go back and listen to some of that stuff and go like, this is really just, you know, not, not as intense as I gave it credit for at the time. And again, um, maybe, Maybe that's the the enjoyment part of going back and, and finding, um, you know, something you hadn't listened to when it was there and, and, and enjoying it now. Yeah, for sure. Eric's comment. My uncle played in a band in the late 60s called Purple Paisley Water Closet. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect they were smoking something. Probably a good assumption. Now, MW, now I don't mean to, I don't mean to... No judgment here, okay? There's no judgment, but we will make fun of you, right? Uh, crash test dummies. I could never get into crash test dummies. Sorry, MW. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I will say this, because we're open-minded. Kind of. Point it, maybe. It's good. Um, it's classic guitar rock. Yeah, but but uh, here's all I'd say to MW. Lead us, lead us in the way. What should we listen to from from Crash Test Dummies that might turn change our mind? That's a good way to approach yeah. this. What yeah. could, what would change our mind? Because I will listen. Because right now, where I'm at, what I have heard of Crash, I'm not a fan. Okay, I'm just saying. So if you have been through, because it sounds like you had to go through this process. Because the whole the whole question is. A band you never really got into till later, so it makes me think you got into them later. You might have been just like Jr. and I when they were popular, and think I'm not into this. So mm-hmm. I would be interested. Yeah, post something. Where we go, post something, or even email us. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. What is it that that controversy is where you sit down and say Crash Test Dummies is the greatest band on earth? Yeah. Prove me wrong. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. Exactly. I would like someone to. I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. Because I had, okay, here, oh, here we go. So MW says, God shuffled his feet, the entire album, and a worm's life. Okay, here's okay. my commitment to you. I'm going to listen. JR is going to do it too. We're going to listen. Yes. Doesn't mean we're going to like them. But we will we listen. Might, we might come back on here and make fun of you, MW. That, but, I mean. I doubt it. I don't think. But we will listen to it. So, I'm writing it down. Thank you, so am I. Well, I'm not. I can see you're not. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. But I will listen to those. I will absolutely listen to those. Okay. Perfect. No. Now, we're about out of time. Uh, but this has got me thinking about a lot of things here. So I'm going to check out the Crash Test Dummies and uh, – See how we like that. I, I appreciate yeah, actually, that. thank you, MW. We 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 seek uh, the new the, we seek the enlightenment. Enlightenment. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> and <laughs> we'll get back to you. 
Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Thanks so much to all of you guys who are chiming in. Any of you that, that are watching or listening and didn't chime in, that's fine too. Thank you so much. MW is a Testament Megadeth fan. Okay. Well, I never, okay. This is, this is now context because here's a, here's a Testament Megadeth fan, which is kind of more in our camp. And yet he took that journey around. He sought the path of enlightenment and checked out something new and different. <laughs> something new. I seek the path of enlightenment. And I just didn't know it was going to go through crash test dummies. And but uh, here's the thing. You said it, though, Jeremy. When you put the challenge out, we ask you for things that would, would you know, totally. pose the question was exactly. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a chance that MW got the assignment. Uh, he did. Okay. JR. When you can grab the pebble from my hand, time for you to leave. Okay. All right. There you go. Um, Rangers, Giants, Yankees. He's covering all his bases there. Rangers, Giants, Yankees. He's, he's in New York. Uh, hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us. So, um, you say hello. Oh, Bruce. Okay. We got to go, but we have to talk about this here. Okay. If you ever just want to laugh, you gotta watch Gwar. The Gwar is like they're so over the top and creepy that it's 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 campy, right? They 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 are. You just got. I can't describe them. They dress like monsters. They have blood squirting all over when they play. I mean, it's it's like it's like demented HR puffin stuff, guys, in a band. Everyone's got to go watch a Gwar. Video. Oh, okay, I'm on for Gore now too. So I've got two assignments. You got it. You got to add them. And lastly, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Jackie didn't say anything other than some symbols there. So, uh, but thank you for chiming in. And guys, if you follow us on Twitter, that is awesome. If you don't follow us on Twitter, follow, give us a follow on Twitter. Follow yeah, well, us. yeah. Why not? Yeah, and I always want to put this last message up here, just so people know. And that is, for only a dollar a month, you can subscribe to the best podcast on the planet. Or you can subscribe to ours. Okay, so the choice is yours. But yeah, for just a dollar a month, you can follow the podcast. And we thank you all so much. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll do it all again sometime. Soon. Soon. Yeah, we're going to do it soon. Sooner than two months, and I think I think starting tomorrow we're going to start posting the daily update as a podcast episode as well. So Jr., my friend, Jeremy, my friend, thank you for joining, and mm-hmm. all of you who tuned in and chimed in, thank you so much. We'll do it all again soon. Thank you, and good night. We'll see you. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Oh, sweetie. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. <laughs>